Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. Today, we are going to talk about creating effective sales playbooks and how to add a marketing twist to them. You're absolutely going to enjoy my conversation with Mark Colgan. Today's episode is brought to you by Convergo, a team helping entrepreneurial companies develop and implement revenue growth plans. If you want to accelerate your growth while building processes that allow the growth to be sustainable, you're going to want to meet the team at Convergo. Just go to www.convergo.co to learn how other entrepreneurial companies are growing faster. Our guest today is Mark Colgan. He's an entrepreneur and revenue leader responsible for increasing revenue across a small portfolio of companies where he leverages his 13 years of experience in B2B sales, marketing, and recruitment. Mark currently splits his time as co-founder of Speak On Podcasts, mentoring B2B startups via the Growth Mentor and ScaleWise. He's involved in the product onboarders and coaches hundreds of SDRs through his outbound prospecting course on the Sales Impact Academy. Well, Mark currently lives and works from Lisbon, Portugal. He's addicted to traveling and exploring new cultures and new places. And I know this is going to be an interesting conversation, Mark. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Daryl. So pleased to be here and really looking forward to this conversation. Well, as we're thinking today about sales and sales playbooks, what I'm excited about in this conversation is uh, if for the marketing folks listening in, we have a great audience of business owners, sales professionals, and marketing leaders listening to this podcast. Marketing folks, when you hear sales playbooks, don't tune out because you're going to be very involved in this conversation. But I'm curious, Mark, as you think about sales playbooks, what, what's your definition of an excellent, effective sales playbook? Sure. So really, the playbook should be helping you identify who your audience is, what that message that's going to resonate with them, and then really the tactics and the plays within that playbook that help you get that message in front of them. It then also encompasses that enablement content. Uh, I've not used the word sales enablement content because it's mm -hmm. content. So it could be marketing enablement content too. Uh, but having everything planned and having an understanding of what that journey is going to be like for uh, an ideal prospect. Well, and where do companies get it wrong when it comes to sales playbooks? Obviously, the first place to get it wrong is not having any, which is probably the vast majority of organizations. But the ones that do have them, where do, you, where do they get it wrong? Yeah, I think one of the key areas where people go wrong with them is they don't update them quickly enough. Um, mm. So to give an example, as a marketer, um, two, two years ago, you wouldn't see anybody working in a B2C, let's say, e-commerce brand that had experience of TikTok just as an example. Um, so by not updating your playbooks and not understanding how your buyers and how your prospects' lives are changing because of the uh, external factors that are impacting their world um, is really, really detrimental for your playbook. So these need to constantly be updated. Uh, and I've been there as a marketer. I've created some buyer personas. They looked beautiful. No one read them. Uh, and then no one went back to them either. So by constantly keeping it updated and sharing that those learnings with your team, whether that be marketing, sales, or even customer success, it is really, really key. 
But I think that's really important right now, especially in the dynamic environment that we're in. Uh, obviously, coming you know, through the pandemic, out of the pandemic, wherever we are in the world, it's just it, the one thing that's constant is is change right now. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that buyers don't buy products and services. They buy the outcomes those mm -hmm. products and services enable. And so as a result, the outcomes buyers want, it's shifting right now. And I think if you've got a playbook from a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, for sure, you definitely need to revisit the content in that playbook and the conversations you're guiding your salespeople to have. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree. And and also the, the channels that you use are, mm -hmm. gonna, are going to change and you just have to be comfortable with that. Uh, I also believe you need to give a certain percentage of your time and energy on uh, an experimental channel that might pay off, but might not. But you've got to be ready and prepared to fail um, because like you say, con um, change is constant, uh, but you only grow if you're open to failure. Boy, isn't that the truth? And and that is one thing that's definitely keeping everybody on their toes right now is, is channels keep changing. There are new channels. I'm curious as you look forward into 2022 and beyond, what should be on everybody's radar right now? Yeah, so from, from a marketing point of view and, and also from a sales point of view, I think the, the dark funnel or also known as dark social is something that people need to be keeping a very close eye on. Essentially, what that means is that buyers are having conversations without you or your sales rep or your marketing team in channels like Slack communities, in private Facebook groups, in WhatsApp conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm part of a, a WhatsApp group, which I think only has about 100 people in there. And there's thousands of messages each week being passed. Lots of people asking for recommendations. Do you prefer this product versus that product and why? All of these conversations are having, uh, which makes brand awareness and making sure that you're showing up in those conversations even more important. But the kicker is you can't attribute it just like you could with your paid ads, just like you could see the, the trends with your search engine optimization or even your content marketing. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be focusing some, some of your attention there. Wow, where do you even begin to start? Um, start by understanding what communities people might be in. Of course, you're not going to know which private WhatsApp groups mm -hmm. or Telegram groups they might be in, but I'm sure you'll be able to find some Slack communities because they typically will have a landing page that talks about it. Podcasts, which mm -hmm. podcasts are they speaking on? What groups of people are also listening to that podcast as well. And then just monitoring the conversations happening on social media, tools like Awario, um, there's lots of other tools, but they allow you to do some social listening. Um, so you can put in some keywords and it will ping you whenever that keyword is mentioned. Obviously you've got to be careful that if you have quite a broad keyword, you're going to get a lot of alerts. Right. But, um, but yeah, you can also set up alerts in Slack communities as well. And that's where I generate quite a lot of uh, leads and business for my own companies because I'm finding people asking questions about um, how do I solve customer onboarding for my mm -hmm. uh, B2B SaaS company? And mm -hmm. then I chime in and say, well, here's a resource that I've created uh, that helps answer that question. And that's such a cool, um, cool set of opportunities now in today's world. It's in some ways it's the wild west, but the other way, another way to look at this is we're able to engage in direct conversation with people in ways we've never been able to do before. Yeah. Uh, and, and also I'd say, Daryl, you, you can't afford not to be. And mm -hmm. just because you can't attribute that dollar to that amount. And, you know, I, I get people signing up for sales calls with uh, one of with many of my businesses and it was, they'll say that they found me on Google, but then when I speak to them, it was a friend that referred them or right. a podcast right. interview. So you, you can't just trust that data a hundred percent. And like I said, just 
give yourself 10% of your time and resources to experiment with some of these channels. Um, and you've just got to swing and hope for the home run. Absolutely. Well, focusing back on sales playbooks, what would you say are the top um, things that every sales playbook needs to include? Sure. So uh, first of all, it's that real understanding of who the ideal customer profile is and who the buyer personas are. So mm -hmm. I like to separate those two. So the ideal customer profile is all about the organization that's in, a right, in the right position to benefit from your solution, your service, your product. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the buyer personas are the individuals that make up the decision-making unit of that. Um, obviously, if you have a very complex product or service and a long sales cycle, there's likely to be more uh, buyers, buyer personas in the decision-making criteria. But the uh, the ideal customer profile, the companies will probably be a bit smaller as well because mm -hmm. there'll be some specific things that you need. And you just really need to understand what qualifies a customer and a buyer. For example, I was on the receiving end of a very good cold email campaign, uh, sales email campaign. Uh, did all the right things, hit, played all the right notes in the right order. The one thing they forgot to do was double check which CRM I use because the mm. product that they were trying to sell only integrated with a different CRM and I wasn't right. the user. So really they should have started with, okay, well, let's narrow down our ideal customers to find people who are only using said CRM. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that uh, I think that absolutely starting there with the ICP, with the personas, and getting clear, and this is a great point of alignment between marketing and sales, because I, I, you know, you said earlier, so many times buyer personas, for example, get created, but they get put on a shelf or stored in a hard drive that's in the cloud somewhere. Mm -hmm. No one, no one looks at them. Um, but these are incredibly powerful tools and springboards for conversation for sales reps to be able to engage effectively. So beginning the playbook with with the ICP and with the personas is is incredibly wise. What else would you Absolutely. recommend be in the playbook? Yeah, so before I move on to some yeah. of the other things, I think another thing to, if you're wanting to stay on top of your buyer personas, one underutilized, I guess, hack that you could use is go to LinkedIn. Let's say that you're trying to sell to HR directors. Go mm -hmm. to LinkedIn and, and save a job alert for HR director job adverts have a look at the responsibilities that they're being asked to do. You're not going to find the individual, but you're going to find what that role and what that person is being expected to do. And it will likely say what those objectives or what those outcomes are going to be. And that's the language that you need to be speaking in when you're rolling out your playbook or working through your playbook. So it moves quite nicely into the next Brilliant. part, which is that messaging. Yes. Uh, and messaging needs to be about the outcome. Like you say, mm -hmm. it's not a product or service people buy, it's the outcome. One, one thing I also like to include in my playbooks is also what happens to this person or this company before they need my service or solution? Mm. Are they experiencing rapid growth? Are they hiring a lot of staff? Are there legislation changes that are happening? And I, I like to use a framework called IPA, mainly Daryl because I enjoy the IPA beer, <laughs> um, but individual persona and account. And there's always things happening that usually signals that this person might be more likely uh, to be interested in purchasing or needing uh, the solution that you have to sell. Yeah, very interesting. I think that is, that's incredibly powerful. And what else would you recommend um, that you include in, in a playbook? So let's say you've got your understanding of ICP and your buyer mm -hmm. personas, you've got mm -hmm. your messaging and you're focusing mm -hmm. on outcomes. Uh, then you need to start thinking about the channels. How am I going to get this message in front of the right people? Uh, one of the things that I think that uh, marketers don't take enough advantage of is thinking like a salesperson. Mm -hmm. So a sales development rep's job is to research, 
to reach out, to qualify, and then to pass on a prospect to somebody who usually is an account executive or someone that can close a deal. Mm -hmm. But if you did that as a marketer, essentially what you can do is research, reach out, start the conversation, ascertain whether it's something that they're interested in, and pass the conversation on to somebody in sales. If you think like that, you're going to start more conversations, you're going to have conversations, and you're going to learn more as a marketer as well. You might find out that that messaging that you wrote six months ago just doesn't resonate anymore because they're speaking in in a different language. Um, So really, it's thinking about the different channels that you can use. And that's why I'm a huge advocate of outbound marketing, because it's never been easier to go to LinkedIn, one source, and find a list of a thousand people that match the same ICP, the ideal customer profile, and have the job title or variation of the job titles that I have identified in my uh, buyer persona uh, work as well. And I can directly contact them by connecting with them on LinkedIn and sending them a message once they've connected. Beautiful. You're speaking my love language, Mark. Outbound marketing, (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Uh, You know, I'm a huge believer that if you know who your ideal client is, you can know who your ideal prospects are. In that case, you're not so much looking for leads. You already know who your leads are. You go out and find them. You're looking for engagement with those leads. And when you've got a good playbook, then you've got something that you can use to engage. So spot on on that. Let's talk about just rollout and and getting a sales adoption of playbooks. I know there are a lot of people listening in that um, either A, haven't looked at their playbooks. Maybe they've been sitting on the the physical or digital shelf for a Mm -hmm. while. Um, Or there's some other folks listening and going, you know what, we probably should build some sales playbooks, uh, especially right now uh, with a lot of new people on our team. So what's um, one thing I know a lot of times uh, companies will put things together, notoriously marketing will put something Mm -hmm. together and uh, send it over to sales and it might make a sales meeting, uh, but it certainly doesn't make the DNA of the sales (laughs) culture. Uh, What have you seen works well in terms of of getting sales playbooks integrated into the culture and and consistently part of the sales operations? Yeah, what's worked for me in the past has been sitting down with sales and just reviewing the recent deals that have closed. So maybe you look at close one business in the last quarter, if you've got a lot Mm -hmm. of volume, if you're less volume, maybe it's the last year or 12 month period. And just Mm -hmm. walking through the steps and talking about how did that person become, go from a lead, unknown, unknown, to a known, uh, Mm -hmm. to a sales conversation, and then to a customer. And then seeing whether they align with the playbooks that you're generating. If there's no alignment there, then the playbook is not going to be integrated uh, and and it's not going to be rolled out and and adopted. Um, So really getting the sales teams involved in the process, and it can be very tough. I've been there pulling my hair out, trying to get answers and trying to get some time with uh, busy sales reps who are Mm -hmm. too important to talk to marketing, uh, but persist get through it because you're going to generate uh, a playbook which is going to yield the results. I've always aligned myself to revenue. Um, I've never really been too concerned about how many MQLs or how many reply rate, what the reply rate was. I really want to know what generated the revenue. Daryl, to give an example, um, I talked about a uh, campaign earlier on today on on the, the Sales Impact Academy course, which I sent 100 emails, so it wasn't a huge campaign. I got an 87% reply rate. Uh, no, 87% open rate and a 34% reply rate. Wow. So all good. That's a fantastic yes. campaign. None of those closed into a customer. So I stopped the campaign. Mm-hmm. And what I found out is that the people that I was targeting at the specific time I was trying to reach them, they just weren't interested. They didn't have a need that needed solving. So just because if you stopped at just the marketing, you could shut your laptop down and think, well, that was 
probably one of the best campaigns I've ever set. I've never get an 87% uh, open rate or a 34% reply rate, but go follow it through to revenue and then reverse engineer it. And I think really the key to be successful in any role really is just understand those patterns and interpret them and then develop a plan to, to kind of take advantage of what you've just learned. That's incredibly powerful. And, and, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think in marketing, we can get enamored with all kinds of data and stats and we can make all kinds of things look however we want them to look because yeah. there's so much data there. But the proof is in the pudding, right? It goes all the way through to the revenue um, itself. And I've been to the mm -hmm. UK and I've had pudding there. It's different ah, nice. and it's good. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, marketing. So so for our marketing friends listening in, um, what, what are some ways, uh, other ways that marketing can support uh, sales in the development and and the maintenance of these playbooks yeah sure so i think it's really like understanding what the process is for this for the sales process as well um, mm -hmm. and maybe not listening or uh, maybe not taking the first answer you get from a salesperson look i'm a salesperson and i'm a marketer so i'm playing devil's advocate but i'm on Me both too. sides of the fence at the same time I don't update my CRM like I know I should do. And the marketing hat is always telling me to do that. And the salesperson pushes back on this inner dialogue. Um, but no, have thorough conversations with, with your sales team and also accompany them on their sales calls if, if they allow mm -hmm. you to. Sit in on the meetings, on the Zoom calls. If they don't want that, I'm sure you can convince them to record the call and then listen to the recording. And what you need to be doing is listening out to what the prospect is really saying. Unfortunately, as salespeople, we get happy ears and we think we hear things when they actually were saying something completely different. Um, so really listen intently and pull out some of the, uh, the, the key summaries. And again, you're looking for trends and for patterns there as well. And then with that knowledge and information, that's how you start to create the content which you can then use to enable the sales to happen. A mm -hmm. typical example will be you've listened to 10 to 15 to 20 sales calls and you hear this common objection keeps coming up. What's the ROI in X? Um, so you know that that's a common objection. So create mm -hmm. some content around that to talk about, well, here's one way you could evaluate ROI, but here are some other benefits of performing this task, using this product, using this service that you will likely receive as well. And then that way you can use the content to preempt the objection and to educate and, and to help educate the, the prospect or the potential buyer uh, on the same wavelength as you. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, to expand on that as well, I think another way marketing can really get engaged, not only listening to sales calls, but also going back and interviewing clients, uh, great yeah. writing success stories, case studies, video, whatever you want to do. It's great. But one of the things I've thought was always funny over the years, Mark, is anytime I've done a success story interview, I'll always interview the salesperson first to get the backstory so I can be efficient with the, mm -hmm. the client. And so I'll ask the, the salesperson, so why did they buy? And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, it's something like, oh, we had a better price. We had, you know, <laughs> saved them money. And then you'll interview the client and find out the real reasons, right? The real problems that were solved mm -hmm. and all of that. And it's always, it's always fun as a marketer then to go back to your sales team and go, hey, do you want to know why they really bought? <laughs> and those, <laughs> those, those interviews with, uh, with marketing, talking to the client for a case study interview are very, very, I found them to be extremely revealing and yeah. great insight. And, and Dara, I want to kind of give some advice for companies that, you know, you might not have a lot of customers. You might be quite right. early stage and or you've just moved to a, a new company. Um, go and have a look at review websites and also look at the competitors to the product or service that you have and read oh. the reviews. Because what you're really looking for is the words, before I used X, my life was ABC. Now I use X, my life is XYZ. 
and you're getting the language and you're understanding Brilliant. what problem are they really trying to solve. Uh, and again, make notes of these, just jot them down because you're just seeking out the patterns. Ah, brilliant. Absolutely love it. Great idea. Now, I know one of the other things that you're known for is being a, uh, an expert in tech and tech stacks and how to make all that work. How does, how does your tech stack play into this conversation about the sales playbook? Yeah, I see technology as an enabler uh, to get things done more efficiently and potentially more, with more accuracy. Uh, the one thing I would say is like, let's not try and automate everything because we could end up automating the wrong things as well. Mm -hmm. So whenever it, whenever I look at an automation, I think, okay, well, let's break this automation down into the parts, automate the things that we know are working. And then maybe there's some manual, some human checking into the process that can then trigger the next part of the of the of the, uh, the automation. Um, I I'm a big believer of using tech in sales and in marketing to save time. Uh, so for a simple example, after I do a sales call, I send up a follow up email, which is a sequence of three or four uh, emails. Mm -hmm. But rather than just send a templated email which has no customization or personalization on that conversation I just had, um, I actually have a template that I can put merge fields in. So. After the call, I will say the first name was Daryl, and Daryl's objective was to increase brand awareness and, um, and spread his message. Mm -hmm. So I type that in, and then it gets merged into the email. I think one of the things that sales and marketers, because usually the marketers are in charge of the tech, um, you see that a CRM will offer sales automation. So as soon as a deal moves, as soon as you move a deal from one stage to another in a pipeline, an automatic email goes out. It's probably not the best thing to happen because every call you have isn't going to be the same. Some people will ask for additional information. Some people will ask for a case study. But if yeah. you've got this automatic email going out, there's no chance for you to, to get in there and, mm -hmm. and put the case study in or, or give a relevant uh, example based on the questions that you had. Um, so, yeah, there are little things like that, which I think um, use tech, but use it wisely. Oh, really, really good. Well, in the last few minutes, I want to shift gears a little bit because I know another passion of yours is podcasting. And um, I'm curious as you look forward, I mean, over over the um, pandemic, the last couple of years, you know, there's an explosion of podcasts. What do you see in terms of podcasting trends for 2022 and beyond? I genuinely believe it's probably the most powerful medium that any B2B or B2C brand can take advantage of. And I think if they do it like you, Daryl, where you're being conscientious of who you bring on, you're vetting them to make sure mm -hmm. that they, they know their stuff and they're going to deliver value to the audience. And then you're recording it on video. You can repurpose that content into so many ways. I can remember being a marketer and I was like, I don't know what to write. <laughs> I'm running out of ideas. I don't know what to, what will be important, what will be mm -hmm. of interest to, to my buyers. But really what, what you can do through the medium of podcasts is bring on those buyers or potential buyers or existing customers and have them create the content for you, then your job as a marketer is to editor, is, is to edit it and make sure that it's appealing and you clean up the ums and ahs, let's say, and you clip out the bits of the podcast, which would, would really resonate with the audience. Another bold claim I, I have, I, I believe that the majority of B2B brands will move towards the podcast uh, platform. It might not be strictly a podcast. They might have a YouTube uh, channel, mm -hmm. um, which is this, uh, which is a conversation and they are bringing on prospects, customers and other people that help solve similar problems in, in the same industry as well. And just like it was uh, many years ago where everybody needed a blog, I think we're going to start seeing that call, that cry to, uh, to action that everybody needs a podcast. Uh, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, you're seeing it happen. You're seeing it happen. And um, I am uh, very, very familiar with the writer's block, right? Where, you know, you mm -hmm. got to produce something and 
there is something very freeing, um, especially being a recovering salesperson myself, <laughs> about uh, sitting down and, and talking and and really hashing out ideas. And with the two-way dialogue, uh, I think another number of other things happen. First of all, new ideas are formed, like it's a, not a zero-sum game here, and relationships are built. And so um, I, with that, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you today and sharing some of these ideas uh, with our audience. Mark, how can people get to know more? Sure. Thank you, Dara. I've really enjoyed my time here today as well. Um, to find out more about uh, me, LinkedIn is probably the best place. So if you just search for Mark Colgan, that's C-O-L-G-A-N. And to find out more about Speak On Podcasts, where we help people uh, get interviewed on industry-relevant podcasts, you can go to speakonpodcast.com. And you'll speak to me if you do If you do go through the, uh, the contact. <laughs> Not <form>. an autoresponder? <laughs> Come on. No, man. no, no. A real that's human. Good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, hey, Mark, this has been extremely insightful and I've enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. This has been fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you once again, Daryl. Speak to you soon. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you to everybody who's listening in and sharing the Revenue Growth Podcast. We're dedicated to making sure that you have the fresh ideas, strategies, tactics, and motivation you need to drive revenue growth. We've got a great lineup of guests coming your way throughout the winter and the spring. Um, so if you're not already subscribed, hit like, hit subscribe. Um, and that way you make sure not to miss any of those. And thank you to everybody who's leaving reviews on the podcast. It helps us spread the word. Thanks again to our friends at Convergo. Uh, we appreciate everybody and all that we're doing right now to move forward. Uh, this is a time where it is important that we move in the direction of growth, that we keep driving so we can thrive. So we'll see you next week. And as we always say, let's get going. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word revenue to 21,000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.